Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day with life where Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians 3. Brothers, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as people who are led by the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, because you were not yet ready. Why, even now you are still not ready, because you are still people who are following the flesh. Indeed, insofar as jealousy, strife, and factions have a place among you, are you not people who are following the flesh? Are you not behaving in a merely human way, when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos, and what is Paul? They are ministers through whom you believed, and each served as the Lord gave him his role. I planted, Apollos watered, but God was causing the growth. So then, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but it is God who causes the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters are united, and each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For God is the one whom we serve as co-workers, and you are God's field, God's building." In keeping with the grace of God given to me, as a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building on it. But let each person be careful how he builds on it. In fact, no one can lay any other foundation than the one that has been laid, which is Jesus Christ. But if anyone is building on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each person's work will become evident. The day will make it plain, because it is going to be revealed in fire, and the fire will test each person's work to show what sort of work it is. If what someone has built remains, he will receive a reward. If someone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but it will be like an escape through fire. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple, and that God's Spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and that is what you are. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this world, let him become a fool, so that he may become wise. To be sure, the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. For it is written, He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasoning of the wise. He knows that it is worthless. Therefore let no one boast about men, for all things belong to you, whether Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come. All things belong to you, and you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. This is the word of our God. Paul spent the opening chapter or two talking about the foolishness of the gospel and the power of the gospel, that the gospel does not hinge upon human action, human decision, or operate even according to human expectation, but that the gospel is foolishness to the human mind, that the gospel is hidden and seen in the glory of the cross, in the glory of Christ crucified. The gospel is a foolishness to those and but to those who are perishing, but to those who are believing. It is the life and the power of God. And he kind of builds off of that as we get into chapter three. Now that Paul has has clearly you know, made clear the nature of the gospel and the, the power and wisdom of God. Now Paul hopes that he is understood when he speaks about the place and the function of himself and Cephas and Apollos and others. Um, 
but he makes it clear their work as proclaimers of that wise and powerful word, <laughs> that foolish word. Men such as Paul and Apollos cannot be heads of, of rival cliques or divisions within the congregation as the Corinthians wanted them to be. So it seems, you know, I follow Apollos, I follow Paul, I follow Cephas. Others say, I follow Jesus. Um, these men, Paul, Apollos, and Cephas, are merely servants. And as we see going into the next chapter, that these men are fellow workers, as Paul says in, um, in verse 9, we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field and God's building. And earlier in verse 5, what after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. That these men are, in a picture, um, planters and waterers for the one who creatively gives the growth. I planted its seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. And then later in verse 9, we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field. Paul, Apollos, and Cephas, and others are stewards of the mysteries of God. And that term mystery, um, I think we've encountered that before, that it's not talking about something that is unknown and up to us to try to parse out and figure out. But the term mystery applies to something that we cannot perceive by human nature, that we cannot perceive with our human reason. But rather, a mystery is something that God must reveal to us. And so the mysteries of God include really everything that is in the revealed knowledge of God that is not in the natural knowledge of God. So everything that you would know about God, about Jesus Christ and his work, everything especially in the gospel um, that you see only in scripture, the things that you don't see in, in nature. So in nature and in conscience, you recognize that God has standards, that we fall short, that, um, that God is powerful, and that you have some hints of his kindness, even when you're looking at nature, and you recognize that the Lord provides the rain and the sun. But in the revealed knowledge of God in scripture, then we see the actual revelation these mysteries revealed of God's grace and goodness in the personal work of Jesus Christ, of who exactly this one true God is, who is a triune God, and many more. Um, and Paul says that we are stewards of God and that we are accountable to God for our stewardship that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. And that's the image that he talks about in verses 12 through 15, talking about building on the foundation building on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. And the contrast is between the expensive stones and expensive things such as gold, silver, or precious stones versus the things that burn up in the heat, wood, hay, or straw. Um, and Paul says that we need to watch how we are building, that we are accountable to God because on that last day, on judgment day, God is going to test the building that has been built. He is going to test and cleanse everything with fire. And even in that case, um, some of the, you know, kind of terrifying, perhaps kind of very sobering, sobering words that we have in verses 12 and 12 through 14, I suppose. If anyone is building on that foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, or wood, hay, or straw, each person's work will become evident. The day will make it plain. That is, you know, judgment day, the last day. 
because the work is going to be revealed in fire, and the fire will test each person's work to show, to show what sort of work it is. If, it's, if what someone has built remains, he will receive a reward. If someone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but it will be like an escape through fire. And so um, this is similar to what we have at the end of, of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13. Um, Obey the, listen to those who have been placed over you in the Lord, because they watch over your souls as men who must give an account. But here in this section, the Apostle Paul writes in such a way that he's not talking about the pastor giving an account. He's looking at the other, the other side of things, that the pastor needs to watch how he builds, that he builds carefully because he is a servant of the word, that God who works through that gospel message is the one who does the work. And the servant of the word wants to build in such a way that he is building according to the blueprints, that he is following the word of God, and that he builds in such a way that the building will stand and that the building will last. If someone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but it will be like an escape through fire. And so obviously there's some um, notion of accountability there, as well as the relationship between the pastor and the people he is serving. And the bottom line is verse 16, where Paul is driving at with this whole image. Do you not know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and that is what you are. And so as you go about your day, what does it look like to live as God's holy people? What does it look like within congregational life to experience and to continue striving toward and working toward a fellowship that is united together that isn't so much concerned about my preferences and my wants, but concerned about your preferences and concerned about following what God says in his word? What does it look like when God continues to build his church? when God um, continues to build a church that will stand and a church that will last, not only in the present world, but also in the world to come. In other words, the fact that you are sitting in a church, hopefully this coming Holy Week multiple times, and that you are joining together in worship with your congregation, wherever that may be. That privilege and that participation is something that, God willing, um, will happen in that same place for generations to come, so that even generations perhaps yet unborn would be able to worship at that place and come to hear the true word of God. What does it look like today? And what would we have to do today in order for that to happen 30, 50, 80 years from now? What would we have to do today in order for a congregation to be in a place and faithful to the word of God, a generation or two, three, four generations from now. I'm sure you know what we should be doing, and I'm sure you know what that might look like. So let's do that. Let's take God at his word. Let's gather joyfully and set a good example. Let's work against any divisions in the church, but instead work toward unity in the faith together. And let's rejoice in the power of the gospel as we use it together, as we listen to it together, as we rejoice at hearing it once again, even though these stories and the account of you know, the life and death of Jesus Christ, even though that account may be quite familiar, at the same time, let's rejoice with new ears. Let's bring a friend along and say, here, I want you to know this, Jesus. Why? 
Because yes, the message of the cross is still foolishness to those who are outside of the faith. But to us who are being saved, it is Christ, the power of God, the wisdom of God. And through this wisdom, God builds a church that will last. Thanks so much for joining us here at the Raised with Jesus podcast. Be sure to tune in tomorrow for our next Thirsty Podcast episode with Pastor Zarling and Pastor Lightning.